0: (laughs) Welcome to the Haunting University Podcast, coming to you from the Rocky Mountain Home Haunter Studios. I'm John Schultz. I'm Keone Hutton.
1: And I'm Leslie Reed. Happy Halloween, everyone, or actually happy uh, belated Halloween, since Halloween was actually three days ago. Uh, We hope that all of your home haunting or professional haunting efforts were uh, very successful and all the work that you put into your haunts uh, came to fruition, at least in a way that people appreciated, if not in the way that you hoped it would.
0: Wow, that was profound.
1: I know. I find I never it never is quite where I wanted to get to, but people seem to appreciate it anyway. So. <laughs> oh, booze! I forgot I had booze. And there it is. <laughs> it's said profound. I need alcohol for
0: <sighs> that. I'm not even I'm not even going to do that. Fair enough.
1: Do that. <laughs> so today we want to talk about uh, our latest haunting efforts and how our Hunter's Ghoul Box that we've put together through the first 10 episodes of the podcast were applied to the haunt that we got to throw together at the last minute this year. So back up two months and in the middle of September, I got permission from my commanding officer to do a haunted house on board of our ship. The ship was uh, underway at the time. We were deployed uh, doing the mission that we go out to do and uh, weren't going to be home until October 14th, which basically left us uh, 12 days to put together a haunted house uh, once we got back to the pier.
2: So a couple of points on that, that, you know, again, we've set this up. We have our tools, we have our techniques, and um, even with two of us not being able to physically assist with the design, setup, and build of this particular haunt, we were able to put on a smashingly successful haunt in
1: a month less, and a half at than, yeah, sea six, and basically 12 days weeks. on land. Basically eight weeks we put together a very successful haunt. Not bad. And what, of course, does all of our haunting efforts get grounded in? Why, the uh, the thing that we talked about in our very first episode, John?
0: Are you... Storyline.
1: Storyline, our theme and our I backstory.
0: Thought,
1: I plot, plot, plot.
0: thought you were going to make an electricity joke there again.
1: Fair enough. Yeah, before yeah. we even had permission, so I had bounced the idea around with a few people on the ship, and there seemed to be some interest, and so... The next day that we pulled into ports I immediately called up John and Leslie and pitched them the idea of what we were trying to do and then we sat down for what an hour and a half and threw together an outline of our of a storyline
0: you were so giddy
1: I still am honestly <laughs> and why wouldn't I be it was so much fun I know it's just it's funny
2: one of the first things you did after you a, made it back to cell service and had the permission to put together a proposal no, to haunt,
1: no. yes, haunt the ship, you,
2: you texted us super excited for fantastic reasons, and we immediately got on a call that later well, immediately later that day, and discussed storyline because again, any good haunt needs to have some storylines some way to flow and push your patrons through the haunt from start to finish
1: by grounding all of our efforts in the storyline it gave us a really easy way to coordinate all of the various ideas that were coming in so once i'm gonna i'm jumping ahead a little bit here we had probably 20 or 25 volunteers from the crew who were all interested in this um in putting this together. And so we got a wide variety of ideas on what people wanted to do. And so having this storyline that we could ground all of those ideas in helped us create a more cohesive walkthrough.
2: And it also gave direction, you know, Hey, we this is, this is where we're headed. This is what we're doing. Um, great idea. Let's incorporate it here or that's really not going to fit. Mm -hmm. Um, but we can do this instead.
1: Yeah, like uh, one of my guys came up with the idea, oh, well, I have a Jacob's Ladder at home and a Nikola Tesla costume. Uh, Can I dress up as him and sell tickets? And what I told him was, I love it. If you can find a way to work it into a Lost in the Bermuda Triangle storyline, you can do it. So it was a good managerial technique for me. Um, It let me keep the creative juices flowing from all of the people who were interested while helping uh, direct. Let's say, yeah, direct those creative efforts into a cohesive storyline.
0: I think a better question is, why does he have his own Nikola Tesla costume?
2: Why
1: I wouldn't mean, you? Who Tesla's awesome. I'm, I'm not arguing that. I'm just, just saying. He also has a um oh, underwater drone and an aerial drone so don't ask too many questions
0: <laughs> he doesn't dress as Nikola Tesla when he's using that you know what
1: <laughs> I would I would too never mind ignorance is a wonderful thing so if you want to hear how we came up with that storyline uh check out episode 16 of the podcast i'll be posting just uh, the complete raw the whole discussion of how we came up with our initial storyline. If you would like to listen to our discussion on how we got to that storyline, please check out episode 16.
2: Essentially what we decided after a great bit of discussion and trying to ground it both in the nature of the, sh- uh, of the the type of ship, the history of the ship and making something plausible, but appropriate. <laughs>
0: And uh, practically applicable in, the, in a very
1: short amount of time. And
2: and, and again, without having to do too much <laughs> modification to your
1: ship, which is... Which is important, per, since two days after the haunt was over, we had to turn it back into an active, working Coast Guard cutter. Yeah. So
2: again, balancing the necessity of the location that we were putting on the haunt in, and um, again, ground to get in something that is too fantastical, but not too reality-based. Essentially, we decided that we were going to have the cutter get lost in the Bermuda Triangle shortly after its... Commissioning. Insert proper commissioning. Thank you. Shortly after its commissioning, we were going to have the ship get lost in the Bermuda Triangle and jump ahead to today. It has shown up back up after being lost for almost 50 years in the Pacific Northwest.
1: Yeah, so it was a lot of fun because the ship already is a 49-year-old ship, um, suck It Navy. So uh, we were able to incorporate... <laughs> that seemed unnecessary. <laughs> it's completely necessary. It's totally necessary. <sighs> so we were able to, com- to incorporate some of the ship's actual history into our storyline.
2: And also, again, you know, we talked about throwing in you know, the pirate ship, and but that pushed it either A, too far, too far back in time, or be pushed it to something that would really require a great deal more time yeah. and effort and materials. Because again, doing this on a no budget, um, time, effort, materials. Our budget was
1: literally five hundred dollars. Really? Yeah. I thought, I thought it was two hundred. That's actually better than I thought. Well, um, four hundred of it went to porta potty. So, <laughs> of course it did.
2: So, again, no budget. <laughs> Maintaining and, and working with what, what we had to work with, which is a 40 year old Coast Guard cutter.
1: 49. 49,
2: sorry. My <laughs> mistake. 49 year old, 50 year old. Say 50 year old Coast Guard
1: cutter. Well, she turns 50 next year, so I'm sticking with 49. We're having a big clinging. You're just clinging I to just that. I
2: can't round anything today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's an old you know my- ship.
1: Yeah, so after our hour and a half of bouncing around ideas and trying to create a walkthrough uh, of this, so first the storyline, the backstory, and then how we were going to display that backstory uh, through the haunt, I then got to go back and write The Pitch. And I want to take a moment and talk about The Pitch for a moment. And I say it like that, The Pitch, because let's be frank, The Pitch is... Is probably the most important part of planning any haunt for anyone who has to convince other people to do to get on board with your plan. Either well,
2: and not just people to get are... on board, but to fund it, yes. to allow you to <laughs> yes. build it in the location that you're trying to build it in. Um, all of these things require. I mean, again, it's, it's the same thing. You you want investors, you want people to be invested in what you're doing. You need to give them a pitch. You need to give them a reason and, oh, it will be cool, is not going to cut it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I love watching, like, the how-to documentaries that come along with uh, movies and uh, Broadway shows and anything else I can get my hands on. And just recently, by which I mean, like, a year ago maybe, The Greatest Showman came out, and so I have been addicted to their <laughs> uh, their background stuff for for the last six months and it's been inspiring me but there is a uh just a sentence that hugh jackman talks about uh the pitch uh, that i think perfectly describes what what we're trying to accomplish he developed pretty quickly the famous michael gracie pitch now it's a the, michael gracie does a pitch where honestly he's better than i've ever been playing pt Barnum.
0: it's 45 minutes and he tells a story, and he had an artist friend of his draw these beautiful concept art. He, we, at this point, had three songs. He so had three songs to, for people to listen to, and he would talk them through the, the movie. He did 1,000 of these pitches to producers, musicians, studio heads, actors, anyone who would listen, who he
1: thought might help get the movie made, he gave the pitch to. Um, and there was not one person, he pitched to who didn't buy in after the 45 minutes. So that's what I was trying to accomplish with the pitch that I was presenting to our commanding officer who ultimately had to sign off on this plan. And so I went back and wrote a three-page document that outlined everything that we were trying to do. And here's the storyline background that we came up with while well, on patrol off the eastern coast of florida in 1969 the newly commissioned coast guard cutter alert vanished into the bermuda triangle she was never dun, found. Dun, dun. <laughs> 49 years later coast guard select coast guard sector columbia river received a distress call off the coast of astoria oregon the responding vessels discovered the miraculous appearance of the missing cutter drifting with intermittent power the derelict was towed to the 17th street pier and the few survivors taken to the columbia memorial hospital Witnesses claimed the survivors were in a state of shock, mumbling incoherently about their experience. Investigators who boarded the ship were never heard from again. The cutter was locked up until a new crew could be brought on board to return the ship to operational status. And then from there, I outlined uh, all of the major locations where we would have either a scene or a scare, or both, a scene that is a scare, and how, generally, how we would... uh, we would run it. So, like, on the flight deck, a lone survivor welcomes the guest on board and presents the backstory. From there, the guests go down to the fantail. That's the aft part of the ship, for those of you who are less nautical than I. Uh, the guests follow the ladder down to the fantail and proceed to the starboard side, where they are assaulted by the tentacles of a kraken. They escape the kraken and enter the mess deck through the starboard aft door. So, uh, there, I'm talking about the scare, I'm talking about the flow of the patrons, and, um... Describing in detail how they're going to get from location to location. On the mess deck, a low lying fog across the deck greets the guests as they enter the space. The guests see skeletons of crew members still enjoying their final meal when they're confronted by the ghosts of deceased crew members still begging for help. Um, in this one, setting up the scene, helping to paint the image in uh, the captain's mind of what he's seeing when he's entering, uh, talking a little bit about the scare, and then again, how they're getting in, how they're getting out. Um, and what they're encountering on the way, and I did that for every major uh, location, all the way from the time that the guests come on the ship and then off the ship.
2: And how many major locations did we ultimately have?
1: Well, uh, like in the proposal, or when it finally,
2: uh, or the both. final
1: design, because it did change. So in the proposal, sure. I had one, two, three, four, five six, seven we had seven major uh, scenes in the initial. By the time we were done planning we had uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, <laughs> fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. 11, 12, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 we had 18.
0: You nearly tripled it.
1: <laughs> we nearly tripled it, but that's okay. You know we sure uh, the, absolutely. The pitch is just um, our initial plan. Uh, well, here's kind of what we want to do. It's a rough draft. It's it's, it's the to get roughest buy in. draft. It's to yes, Leslie. Thank you. You just said it the best way I could imagine. You're trying to get buy-in. You're trying to get buy-in from the people who are coming out to help you. You're trying to get buy-in from the. Um, owner, from the people who own the location that you're trying to do this in, you're trying to get buy-in from um, the people who are going to help you fund it. And without that buy-in, you are going nowhere. I could do a whole whole episode just on the pitch.
2: Which isn't actually a bad idea. No, uh, it's really not. If you're doing a home haunt, you may just even have to pitch it to your spouse. (laughs) It might literally just be a case of You have to pitch your haunt to your spouse and convince them that, yes, I really am going to take up the garage, the driveway, the front yard, and the side yard for at least three days up to a month, depending on how I can build this, and I have to convince you that this is going to be acceptable. Um, You're still pitching.
0: And you're still married. Well,
1: Well, hopefully
2: hopefully. at the end of it, you will be.
1: (laughs) Well,
0: I meant you specifically, but...
1: That's because I got lucky and found an awesome wife. This is
2: true. So, no matter what you're doing, you have to have a pitch. Even if it's just something that you write up as a, you, you're bacheloring it up, you live by yourself, you don't have to convince a spouse, you still might want to write, oops, you still might want to write a pitch. <laughs> my Leslie,
0: stop double over. fisting it over there. How I'm drunk not, are
2: you? Not enough.
0: It- Scale of 1 to 10. Not. Roger. (laughs) And there's your answer.
2: (laughs) No, I'm trying to try my sweater on. Um, It's the the big
0: hole, Leslie. It's the big hole.
2: Yeah, except it's attached to strings, so I have to be careful. Um, Even if you're living by yourself and you don't have to convince any family, you still should have a pitch. You still should have something on hand, because you might need to convince your neighbors, you might need to convince your HOA. Your landlord. Your landlord. The firemen who come by and go,
1: what are you building and why?
0: <laughs> your captain.
1: Exactly. So, beyond... the So, after the walkthrough, what else did I put in the pitch? Um, I talked a little bit about the resources that we would need and where we would get them from. For instance, I was planning to donate, um, by which I mean lend, uh, all of the Halloween supplies that I had sitting in my attic. So I talked a little bit about where I would use or what I uh, was able to bring to the table and what other people had already committed to bringing to the table. And then, of course, the most important thing, cost. Everyone's going to care, care about what it, uh, what is it going to cost. Uh, so I talked a little bit about the anticipated things that we were going to be spending on, came up with an initial idea for the budget, um, so that I had a place to negotiate from. And in this case, I went a little bit higher than I thought I would actually need so that I had room sure. to negotiate down. Um, oh, yes. And make, Start high. Um, and make, exactly. and make Captain feel like he won the negotiation. <laughs> um, and then I talked a little <laughs> bit about... Captain. <laughs> I hope he never listens to this. I was going to um, say... Uh, talked a little bit about the community outreach that we wanted to accomplish, you know, especially in this case because I was doing it for the U.S. Coast Guard. This was a U.S. Coast Guard sponsored event. We had to talk about um, how this government organization would be reaching out to the community and um, the service that we'd be providing to the community that way. And I talked. By the about, way, I,
0: mean, I meant to ask you. Sure. What did you – you said taking donations, many of – because it was a free haunted house, but many of the patrons provided donations. What was the actual – what were they donating to?
1: So, yeah, about that. You just pocketed the money, didn't you? maybe no comment
0: yeah i thought so
1: no not really so that, that was actually the next item on my pitch that i wanted to talk about uh was the fundraising aspect uh we wanted to use this as an opportunity to raise funds for the ship's morale fund. um the morale fund is uh goes toward making the life of the crew better in a variety of ways the biggest expenditure of the year is like the holiday party for instance uh and then on top of that we so we were taking donations for the ship, and then we sold the
2: ship. Um,
1: we sold t- uh, yeah, sold the ship. No, we sold t-shirts, uh, haunted ship t-shirts. If anybody is interested in a haunted ship t-shirt, uh, they, I think they're pretty cool. We still have several. They left. are pretty cool. Please reach out to us via our Facebook page at www. Facebook. slash haunting you. <laughs> and uh, I can get you the information on purchasing the purchasing a haunted ship T-shirt. And it well, finally right shifted to profit. There it is. <laughs> hey, I'm sorry, this not Oh, be- uh, so the T-shirts didn't actually show up in time for us to sell them like during the no, event. Of course not. So we have $600 in Did you use t-shirts. the same groups
2: as you did last time?
1: No, no. Thank goodness. This was Creative Creative Ink or something like that. How much are the T-shirts Custom going ink. for? Customing. Uh, the t-shirts were aw- are awesome. They came out really well. Uh, we just ordered them too late and they couldn't get it to us in time, which was unfortunate.
2: But again, so can- we're trying to put this on in eight weeks.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. So, uh, ten bucks a piece. If anybody's interested, please contact us and I will Go find a, a way bargain. to get you a shirt. Because we're trying to. So do how much break did even. the? <laughs> Sorry. What were you gonna say, John?
0: No, I was just wondering. You were mentioning t- ten dollars for T-shirts, pretty pretty decent deal. How much did the ship go for?
1: <laughs> uh, um, actually, we have a delegation from Vietnam coming on board in two weeks to check it out for sale. So I think they are interested in putting a bid in.
0: I wow, I was I was one hundred percent kidding. <laughs> I'm not. What happens if they buy your boat? <laughs> oh,
1: it won't be for at least two more years. Are you going to try and talk to them at it? No comment. So mm-hmm. the last thing I talked about in the pitch was uh, how we would advertise. And I talked a little bit about uh, the social media campaign that I had in mind. Of course, sandwich boards, a Coast Guard press release. And then we ended up finding other ways to advertise as well, which I'll talk about when we get to that part of the podcast. But that was the pitch that I put together in about – in a little less than 12 hours from the time that we started shooting around ideas for a storyline uh, to when I had this done and routing up. Why turn around so fast? Again, we were trying to put this together in eight weeks, and I didn't feel like we had enough time to spare. You were panicking. A little bit. That was the first day <laughs> that we were in San Diego. Uh, the very next day, I was out looking for supplies so I could start constructing props for ship What props
2: did we need to construct?
1: Well, I'm not sure I want to go there yet, but... Okay. (laughs) (laughs) What I was looking for specifically was pool noodles, because you can't get pool noodles in Astoria because it's freaking cold all the time, and nobody wants a pool noodle. But San Diego has pool noodles everywhere, so I want to make sure I got those on hand to build uh, Kraken tentacles out of before we left. There's a good picture on our Facebook page of me wandering around downtown Seattle with 25 pool noodles strapped duct taped to my back. San Diego. <laughs> yes, it's San Diego. Not
2: Seattle.
1: I'm sorry, downtown San Diego with 25 pool noodles Anything. duct taped to my back.
0: That's not scary at all.
1: No, not at all, but unless you're in San Diego getting on the train and you see a man coming on the train with you with 25 pool noodles duct taped to his back.
0: You duct tape them to your back. Why? You know what? Then,
1: well, I duct t- like I made a little duct tape harness where I duct tape them all together, and then Bill made a uh, a sling that I could sling over my shoulder. Of course you did. It worked awesome. But hey, it's what happens when you're not of a car.
0: Like a like a normal human
1: would. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. So you can there's... think of much
2: scarier things to see in San Diego. So
1: <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. But that was the pitch. Um, I gave the pitch to the captain. He approved it that same day. And then we were off and running trying to um, put together a haunted house in eight weeks. Where do we go from here? The next thing you want to think about is the layout of your hunt, which is step two in our design process. Right. So so right after we got permission to do the hunt, we started flushing out the layout. And as we just discussed, we uh, ended up going from uh, seven... Scenes, and it expanded into about 18 scenes. So one of the fun things about being able to do a haunted <laughs> house on a ship is all of our background is real. So that took a lot of the, um, a lot of the building out of having to do this, and so we could really do it <laughs> anywhere. But we were constrained by a couple of things. Uh, one is it's an active-duty military ship, which means when we're in port, uh, stuff is getting worked on. And in this case, um, my entire mess deck was getting torn up um, because we were getting a new floor laid there, as well as several of the birthing areas were getting a new floor. And so that uh, limited where we were able to have the tour. And so For
2: non-nautical birthing areas, places for people to sleep.
1: I thought that was fairly self-explanatory, but thank you for the
0: clarification. I I was just going to ask how many pregnant crewmen you usually have, so I appreciate
1: that. There you. you go. Thank you, Leslie.
2: Again, different spelling of birthing.
1: True. B-E-R. B-E-R, not B-I-R. b-i-r Kind of like uh B-A-N-Bangle no. instead of B-E-N-Bangle. <laughs> Looks like an Egyptian.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, banana slug.
2: And what makes a banana slug so peculiarly slug-like is its
1: glorious slime. Anyway. <laughs> So that changed where our uh, path was going to be uh, a couple times. And so our first step was to finalize what the path would be. And then we actually walked that path to see where we could easily put in scares. And one of the first things we noticed was, um, again, active duty coast guard ship. There's a bunch of stuff. There are a bunch of hazards. Um, that we are used to on a daily basis but are not for people who are coming on for the first time and so the path changed a couple more times when we realized like there's not enough room for people to walk between uh, this davit, which uh, davit's a big thing to launch boats uh, without people knocking their head on it Uh, so let's shift the tour route to the opposite side of the ship or there's no good way for them to get down into this room so we should cut this room out completely and move them over here A big part of uh, finalizing our layout was actually walking it, figuring out all of the safety concerns, uh, and then adjusting the layout to mitigate those safety concerns. Uh, Another big one for us was uh, going up and down ladders. Now, ladders are what we call stairwells on board a ship. And so we wanted to make this as accessible as possible for people who uh, have you know, for uh, the older community of Astoria. So we wanted to minimize the number of ladders that people would have to walk up and down as well. So that was another way that we uh, changed the layout to make it easier for some of our older potential guests to come on board and tour. So we got the layout finalized. We walked it looking for safety concerns. We adjusted it for to mitigate those safety concerns. And then we uh, started inserting areas where we could potentially have uh where we could potentially have good scares and that helped us figure out two things one how many volunteers we would need to help us pull this thing off and then what kind of resources we were going to need in order to put together those scares and what was ultimately the conclusion for both of those well ultimately we needed about 15 actors and i don't have a final like number on resources Uh, Because when I say resources, I mean things like I need seven uh, poseable skeletons and uh, five tarps, four projectors, uh, and then a whole bunch of stuff that we actually have on board the ship. But that helped us determine what we were going to need to build, what we were going to need to buy, and what we were (laughs) going to need to beg, borrow, or steal from the crew and their families.
0: A lot (laughs) of steel.
1: There was a fair amount of stealing, yes.
0: So, did I just hear you officially recommend theft? Because that's pretty sure what it sounded like. That's exactly what that sounded
1: like. I'm sorry I took your thunder, John. (laughs) Hey, as long as it's an official recommendation, I don't care. Most most people got their stuff back. Uh, A couple people did not. I'll take it. And there's going to be... they want their stuff back? They did. Uh, But there's going to be a really amusing news story in a couple of years of where uh, people found dead bodies at the bottom of the Columbia River that turned out to be Halloween skeletons that fell overboard from the Coast Guard Cutter Alert in October of 2018. (laughs) That? More on that story shortly. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we'll, well, when we get to construction, we'll talk. Oh, in fact, construction is the next thing we're going to talk about. So we may as well tell that story. Um, is this story about safety by chance? Uh, potentially. <laughs> Safety as a factor? Safety as a factor. So we had set up a, what I think is really amusing uh, scene where uh, two opposable skeletons were walking the plank. Because naturally, if you're lost in the Bermuda Triangle for 49 years, some of your crew members are probably going to go rogue and going to go pirate on you. It just seems reasonable. Mute me! (laughs) Exactly. So we had two, uh, there's a great picture of it on the uh, Haunted Ship Facebook page, which there will be a link to. I did have a question on that. Yeah, What? go ahead
2: apparently that is now an official coast guard meme
1: uh that one's not but, that, but a different one was yes
2: you, you'll have to send me the actual memed version
1: for okay <laughs> i will um but anyway so there's a picture of the skeletons walking the plank one's got the sword and it's pushing the other one off but one night we had 50 knot winds um Oof. And the construction that we did was not rated for 50 knots. So both of the skeletons ended up going overboard. They actually walked the plank. <laughs>
0: Excellent.
1: Somehow, though, uh, the uh, skeleton that was uh, that holding the sword managed to lose his hat, which was convenient because it was my hat, like my actual uniform hat, uh, and his wig. Uh. So I still have yeah, his really sketchy black dreadlocked wig. Uh, that did not go overboard. That managed to get caught along with my hat, which I appreciate. But the there are two skeletons now at the bottom of the Columbia River.
2: <laughs>
1: mm, okay, how very Dexter of you. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, so from... Uh, finalizing the layout, we were then able to take it to our uh, what, what I call the onboard design team. These were the people who volunteered to help out with the planning process. At the very first meeting of the de- onboard design team, we uh, the most important thing that I did, and I recommend to all of you, was delegate. We ta- So we talked about the tour route. We talked about props we were going to need to do that. We. Spitballed more ideas on how to flush out the scares that would be along that tour route. And then at the end, I had people step up and volunteer to take complete creative design of a room or a scene and run with it. And that was absolutely key for the number one reason. We were trying to put this together in now at this point, closer to seven weeks. And as good as I am, I cannot do all of that by myself in seven weeks. So... I took leaders to handle uh, coordinating with all the volunteers, finding volunteers, and getting information out to them. I assigned a person to be in charge of marketing, one person in charge of the T-shirt and the T-shirt design and purchasing, um, one who would be in charge of the costumes, another who is in charge of makeup, and then a designer for each of the scenes uh, throughout the tour route. So you delegated. I Just delegated de- the crap out of it. <laughs> To great success. I would, yeah. Exactly. I would a say thing. to great success. Uh, I have to give a shout out to um, Gina Fry and Fireman Welshens, whose name I cannot for the life of me think of because I don't That's ever use it. Uh, but those two took over the surgery. Uh, and then When you look at the pictures on our Facebook page they, <laughs> They're pretty awesome They freaking knocked They really out the are awesome uh, Absolutely it was a crowd favorites uh, That scene uh, Picture Dexter uh, They covered all the walls in plastic There were blood splatters <laughs> everywhere um, the They had a body on the table Ripped open uh, Blood spurting out of it um, Absolutely Absolutely fantastic they nailed it great job guys
0: my, I, was show, I let my mom scroll through, scroll through those pictures which she was like oh okay okay." she got to that picture and audibly gasped and dropped the phone <laughs> it was pretty amazing
1: and that's not far off from how people who came on board reacted it was definitely the gory scene that we had um, and so for uh, back to layout we actually had a way to go around that scene if uh, it was too gory and you had younger kids with you uh, they could skip that scene completely um, but most people walked through, were, uh, terrified out of their minds. We had three people wet themselves, literally, uh, and one Quick. pooped himself. What? Three people wet themselves. One person pooped himself. Um, but that's not bad. At a, I mean, we had 1500 people come out and, you know, four, uh, incidents like that. That's not, that's Single not digits. a bad, exactly. It's, it's a, that's not a bad percentage and it kept clean up to wow. a minimum. Thankfully. to say,
2: and Who got to clean that up?
1: Uh, the people who were in the room with them because we couldn't let other people come through until it was cleaned up. That would be unsafe. Uh
0: Sure. So, moving on.
1: Yeah, so... uh, (laughs) Delegate, delegate, delegate. Highly recommend it. uh, But the biggest... So, biggest lesson learned for me on the delegation is follow up with the people often. We were meeting once a week. um, And that worked out... Pretty, so we met for one. We went once a week uh, during the time that we were underway. That's deployed away from away from on the, bo- on, on boat on ocean on boat on ocean. No land. Uh, we met once a week, so that was four meetings where we were able to knock out some planning, um, and that was a pretty good number for us because it let me see where the problems were going to be. Uh, pretty early on and I was able to assign others to fill up the to fill in the gaps of where people were uh, dropping the ball I will not say that frequency would work for everyone. It's what worked for me and
2: uh, Well delegation is all about the personnel that you have your level of Trust in their abilities um, The time that you have available the circumstances that you're in um their skill level
1: yeah yeah and all, how all well
2: you know them i mean there's there are times that you can delegate to somebody and then basically let them run with it because you know them so well you know taken care of there's other circumstances where you delegate but you operate very very closely under the trust but verify and your verification yeah. can be anywhere from once a week to once a day if it's once an hour you should probably replace them
1: once an hour is no longer trust, but verify what that's uh, micromanaging. And I tried to avoid it.
2: Well, unless they need it. And at that point replace them.
1: Exactly. Or nail them, <laughs> or nail them in a coffin. Or nail them in a coffin. Or nail them in a coffin. For more on that, see our earlier episodes.
0: There's a surprisingly <laughs> large amount of instances <laughs> where that happens.
1: Yeah. So while we're still underway, uh, we're very limited in our ability to start the construction um, which would be the next step in our, uh, our normal process. So we kind of skipped over construction, saved that for the two weeks that we were in port, and went straight to advertising and marketing.
2: Which, again, is useful in and of itself because you have seven weeks. And sure. There's no point in
1: building for something that nobody knows about until two weeks before. And, and this was an important one because a lot of haunts will start – advertising in August because they opened, like, that last week of September. We weren't planning to open until October 26th. We were open 26, 27, 28. Uh, That's the weekend before Halloween this year. Uh, But still, we had to get the word out and we were starting very late. We were starting mid-September, so we had to start getting the word out almost immediately uh, to make sure that there was wide enough dissemination for uh, enough people to hear about it to get them to come out. So... What did we do? Well, one of the things I absolutely adore about Astoria is there is a Facebook page called Goonieville.
0: They call themselves the Goonies.
1: And for those who are <laughs> uh, on the younger side... Uh, Yes. They will have no idea
0: what that means.
1: Uh, the Goonies is a 1980s movie that is absolutely wonderful. Please go watch it. Uh, it's a lot of fun. But it takes place Sean in Astoria.
2: Sean as a child.
1: Yes. Oops. Yes.
2: Samwise Gamgee. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but anyway, that movie takes place in Astoria and Cannon Beach and uh, that area. The house that... Um, the main character, I'm forgetting his name right now. Help me. Mikey. Mikey. Uh, Mikey's house is in Astoria. Please don't go visit it. The woman who lives there will try <laughs> to shoot you. She's tired of oh. people coming to visit. Good uh, to you know. But it is there, so that's where Goonieville comes from. But Goonieville is a uh, a private site on Facebook that all the people from uh, the surrounding towns around Astoria are members, where people go to buy, sell, trade, uh, gossip warn people about power outages and accidents and there's all kinds of drama and it's a lot of fun to watch uh, if you're looking for drama, mm-hmm. check out Goonieville but uh, oh. that gave us a very wide that gave us an easy place to disseminate our information very widely The v- so we set up a Facebook page for the ship uh, that's <laughs> facebook.com slash alert haunted ship if you want to check it out and I recommend you do there's also a link to it from our Facebook page, and then created events in the uh, in Facebook that I then posted to Goonieville. And the very first event that I posted got disseminated to or got seen by eighteen thousand people in the better part of four days, which is pretty good. <laughs> that it it blew up way more than it's I ever accepted. expected. Uh, We had people like in Salem, which is two and a half hours away, um, well, more like three and a half hours away. Portland, Seattle, um, who were all Seattle. There
2: was somebody from Seattle asking us questions. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. We had
1: it. It it was disseminated far wider than I ever expected, and it turned out to be freaking amazing. Uh, I was so (laughs) excited that it got out that far. Uh, and we actually had people come out from as far as Seattle and Portland and Salem uh, because they were curious and wanted to see. And I'm so glad they did. Thank you very much for making it a magical night for all of us. Uh, so Facebook page ended up being the primary way that we advertise. Uh, we also put up signs in Astoria uh, and all of the major uh, roads coming in and out of Astoria to uh, the surrounding areas, Warrington, Ilwaco, Seaside, uh, So the signs were a big part. The signs were a little bit harder because we had to uh, do a little bit of coordination with the city. But uh, the city didn't care as long as it was going to be down or up for less than 30 days. So uh, reach out to your city and find out what their rules are. Hint, hint, knock, knock, stomp my foot, all that. Fair enough. Uh, And then, of course, we posted flyers all over the city, everywhere that we could find a community board. Uh, Flyers went up there. We asked people to put them in their shop windows. Uh, We had them... Uh, you know, signs on the pier. Uh, We've tied up at the Columbia River Maritime Museum. Uh, so we got them to do some advertising for us. And then randomly, from based on our post on Goonieville, somebody from the Ohana Media Group, which owns uh, four radio stations that broadcast in the Astoria area, uh, reached out to us for some details. They gave us a free uh, radio spot uh, and well, advertised uh, on the radio nice. for us, uh, which was amazing. Thank you, uh To everyone at the Ohana Media Group for that. Uh, Greatly appreciate it. Uh, So we managed to get away with uh, absolutely, with spending absolutely zero dollars on advertising and marketing. That is not something that most haunts are able to get away with, especially for-profit haunts. But because of Goonieville, primarily, we were able to pull it off. So highly recommend it to, uh, to everyone. If you have something similar in your community, whether it's through Craigslist or uh, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, get in on it and uh, use that to because it it just made it so easy to advertise. Excellent. John, I think this is a great time to break and talk about uh, our other social media campaigns since we're talking about advertising on social media.
0: Well, one thing we can do is also start a Twitter page, which allows you to which is good because it allows you direct access to a lot of those media outlets or individuals or groups that uh, that kind of control that sort of thing and have direct impact over it, which is really nice. Now, for example, you can find ours at Haunting Universe 1, which is Haunting, U-N-I-V-E-R, 1.
1: Very nice. Very which is nice. very handy. And if you want to check out some of our earlier podcasts to uh, to – uh, where we talk more in depth on each of the steps in our Hunters Ghoul Box, our um, not-quite-trademarked method for putting a hunt <laughs> together in seven weeks, uh, you could find that at Podbean. That's uh, hauntingyou.podbean.com. All of our episodes are hosted there.
0: You can also find them on iTunes. All of our episodes are available there. Go ahead and click the little subscribe button, and they will be automatically downloaded for you. There's almost no effort.
1: Exactly. And it, of course, we have mentioned it already. But one more time, our Facebook page is facebook.com slash haunting you just the letter U. Uh, and if you want to check out the everything that we did on the haunted ship, you can find that at facebook.com slash alert haunted ship. We're
0: getting, we're getting pretty good
1: at that. that that's pretty smooth. We're I think good so. At... Thank you. Um, one other aspect I want to talk about with the advertising and marketing, and this was something that uh, I did for a first time this year that ended up being a lot of fun, and I, I had a lot of fun with it, and I hope that our guests did as well, was we incorporated our theme and backstory into our marketing campaign. How did you do that? It's so nice having a shill in the audience.
0: <laughs> I was like, did you get a bottle and blow into it? Is that what happened? <laughs> Yes. So, I mean, as fun as that is, I fail to see how that's all that
1: helpful. Yeah, exactly. So, as chip, popcorn, <laughs> nautical. I still I'm don't helping. See it. So, I'm helping. Yes, yes, you are. You're drunk. You're drunk. I, I wish we all were. Wish we all were a little more drunk. So as we talked about already, the backstory was that the cutter got lost in the Bermuda Triangle 49 years ago and was recently discovered off the coast of Astoria, Oregon. So what we did was create fake news articles, not to be confused with the fake news articles dealing with politics and things that uh, seem to be popping up a lot. Thank you, Roger. Don't don't go
0: down that road. Don't go down that road.
1: (laughs) So we created – articles on facebook through the hsn that's the haunted ship news service and we had breaking news articles that uh talked about so like our first uh breaking news was published on october 20th and it looks like this uh hsn haunted ship news service news service breaking news october 20th 2018 astoria oregon the coast guard cutter alert was discovered drifting off the coast of astoria oregon today with intermittent power Commissioned in 1969, the alert was the last of the 210-foot Reliance-class cutters to be built by the Coast Guard yard in Baltimore, Maryland. Shortly after commissioning, the cutter vanished into the Bermuda Triangle. Despite a massive search
2: and
1: and rescue effort that spanned three weeks, the search was called off on December 15, 1969, and the cutter was presumed lost with all hands. Imagine the surprise when Coast Guard sector Columbia River received a distress call from a vessel claiming to be the alert early this morning. After an H-60 helicopter confirmed the vessel's location, a tugboat was sent offshore to bring the vessel into port. The alert is now tied up at the 17th Street Pier, and the surviving crew members are being treated at Columbia Memorial Hospital.
2: Witness reports
1: state that the members of the crew babbled incoherently Mm -hmm. as they were carefully led into the waiting ambulances. The Coast Guard released the following statement. We are overjoyed to have the crew of the Coast Guard Cutter Alert back in port. Forty-nine years ago, the loss of the ship and her crew was a tragedy that tore apart the hearts of all Coast Guardsmen, their families, and the nation. Today, many of those wounds are healed. Over the coming weeks, we will conduct a full, invest- a full investigation to determine exactly what happened. But for now, we are focused on reuniting the lost crew with their family. And that's the first news article that uh, talks about the backstory for the ship. So not only it's pretty it, good. Thank you. I wrote it myself, and I've, no, I'm like, super excited about how it worked out um so not only did we publish it on our facebook page but we also put it up on a sandwich board on the pier so as people were walking to the ship they could read the news article or as they're standing in line more likely they could read the news article and get some of the background uh two days later we published another one uh breaking news coast guard cutter alert investigation to begin today This was from October 22nd in Astoria, Oregon. Two days ago, the missing Coast Guard Cutter alert was found drifting off the coast of Astoria, Oregon. After being towed to the 17th Street Pier downtown and the surviving crew being treated at Columbia Memorial Hospital, the ship was locked down to preserve evidence. Today, an investigative team will begin the evidence collection process in an effort to answer the question on everyone's mind, what happened to the ship and her crew 49 years ago? And then, two days later... We published the final news article, October 24th in Astoria, Oregon. Breaking news, Coast Guard Cutter Alert investigative team vanishes. The the epic saga of the Coast Guard Cutter Alert took a dramatic turn today when the investigative team that was sent on board two days ago vanished without a trace. An anonymous spokesman for the Coast Guard confirmed that after a presumed eight hours on board, the team failed to report in at the end of the day. A second team was sent on board, but no trace of the investigators were found. Stay with HSN for more updates on this breaking story.
0: It's still like Haunted Ship Network. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I tried to make it obvious so that this specific is not leash. real news. <laughs> <laughs> but here's a
2: great example of how you can use, um, and, and this is something that I would consider... You know, viral marketing, where it's this mm-hmm. one little thing that kind of piques your interest and draws you in and gives you little bits and pieces of the, of of what's happening, but doesn't actually tell you what's going on. Um, it's, it's a great way to utilize the storyline of your ship in your marketing materials as a way to draw people in instead of just saying, "Hey, we have a haunt. It's really cool. You should come see and get 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 the crap scared out of you." Um, by doing this, it's. It's a little bit more engaging in a lot of ways.
1: It is. And what I found was uh, a lot of people, based on the reactions I felt like, based on the like button reactions that I got on Facebook, people thought it was hilarious. And they started sharing it because Mm -hmm. they were laughing. And so that helped spread the backstory um, before people ever showed up. And then for those who didn't get it through social media, there they were on the pier uh, entertaining them as they were standing in line because we couldn't set up a very elaborate queue to help develop our backstory. So we used these uh, just on sandwich boards so people could read as they're w- waiting in the line to help introduce that backstory.
0: Absolutely. I think it's a great idea.
1: And it saved us having to have an extra actor who would then introduce the backstory when people first got on board and helped us increase the flow of people uh, going through. So we weren't stopping them to talk about backstory.
2: Indeed. self-driven as they walk through, mm-hmm.
1: they get the pieces. Okay, do you want
0: to take a quick break from talking for a moment?
2: Sure, what do you got?
0: I have nonsense. You always But do. it'll involve... I do. It'll involve me and Leslie talking for at least a short amount of time.
1: Okay.
0: So this one is situational. Me? This one is situational. You are in the middle of the forest... <laughs> There's nobody. Well, okay. Let me rephrase that. You're just in the middle of the forest. You're just taking a walk. You're by yourself. Does a tree fall down? That uh, we're not gonna go there. <laughs> the, <laughs> you're you're by yourself. You come across just a table with a briefcase that has one million dollars in cash in it. Now, uh, in the in the briefcase, there is a note written in blood that just says "Don't." What do you do? We're not going to Just another rule change. It's written in blood. We're not going to debate it. <laughs> I had this I discussion with someone at work, blood and out. it turned into like an hour. What, what we, <laughs> is it just red ink? How do we know it's blood? <laughs> we're not doing this. <laughs> well, it's it's blood. Damn easy it! Test. <laughs> it's blood. Let's just say it's blood.
2: All sorry, it says is the word. Ink don't. and blood taste very, very differently. Damn it! Why are you <laughs> it's licking an easy the notes?
0: Don't lick the note. That's a great way to get, like, HIV.
2: No, no. Well, we are worry. assuming <laughs> that it is that. written in
0: blood. Don't lick the note. Don't <laughs> lick the note. Okay, hey, so first thing, Leslie does the note okay, first thing Leslie does is put the note in her
2: mouth.
0: Okay, first thing Leslie does is put the note in her mouth. Kay, what would you do?
1: <laughs> I am turning and walking away. I do not want to have anything to do with anything that is going on here. I'm out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, you are completely absolving yourself of the situation. I am,
1: comp- I am avoiding everything that is going on from now and forevermore. I'm just GTFOing.
0: <laughs> You're not going to take like
1: 10 grand. No, You're I'm not, not going to. No. Because with my luck, it's like um, I'd bargain with the devil, and if I take a dollar, he owns my soul for the rest of <laughs> my life or all of eternity, and fu- I'm out. See, I was I'm thinking out. more of like a drug cartel.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or you're not going to like sit there for an hour and just like scream like, "Hey, no!" Because
1: he, I, I need he a might sign come back. <laughs> in the next hour. I'm taking the money. <laughs> no, because he might come back. <laughs> <laughs> I climb a tree and it. watch it.
0: For how long?
2: So something happens.
0: What if there's? What if it's a perfect scenario where there's literally no one there?
2: Well, there's someone. Clearly, has to be around because Maybe. there's <laughs> blood on a note.
1: Anybody else kind of want to just set up this scenario in a hidden camera <laughs> yeah, type scenario? Yeah, like and a see social experiment.
0: Yeah, kind of. Well, could we You it don't, on you don't take like the. in in maybe your own blood, just write sorry and take the briefcase anyway? I'm sticking with no. I think, honestly, I think if I was completely single, no children, no wife, no family of any kind, anything like that, I'm taking the money. I'm taking the money and I'll deal with whatever happens. But, since I do have a family, I'm I'm leaving it there. I a million dollars is not worth the potential consequences. Thank you. We care about you, <laughs> Leslie. I told
2: you I'm going to sit up in a tree and watch. Something's uh, going to happen eventually.
0: Okay, so you you watch for six hours, nothing happens.
2: Well, I can be more patient than that. <laughs>
0: okay so eventually
2: going to come by and then i can watch <laughs> them take it and then i'll see what happens and then i'll make my decision
0: so Kay is walking away i am walking away and leslie is spending the rest of her existence in <laughs> i think all
1: right there I you think go. Kay and i win that one <laughs> thanks for that Ooh. thanks for that john that was a that was a pl- very pleasant break
0: the tree is not an answer that I thought would happen. <laughs> it's not an option I considered. We're, we're ready and for I that one. I done my job. No, I really wasn't.
1: All right, fair enough. All right, anything else on that? I'm with that now. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's pretty much as far as we got while we were underway. All of the rest of the preps had to be done once we actually got back to our home port. And that happened on October 14th. So October 14th, we are now 12 days from opening. Did I do that math yes. right? I think so. And so it is time to start really uh, buckling down and getting stuff set up. Uh, thankfully, a lot of our construction was taken care of because we're doing a Honda ship on board, an actual ship. Uh, we didn't have to build a ship. So walls, ceilings, uh, all those type of things are already done. All we had to do was distress it. Unfortunately, we were fairly limited in how we were able to distress it because active-duty ship had to be able to turn it back into an active-duty ship two days after the haunt closes. Um, So everything that we did had to be undoable without damaging or making permanent changes to the vessel.
0: Small details.
1: Small details, exactly. Uh, We leaned toward doing a lot of things that would not cause permanent damage. So lots of uh, cotton cobwebs, lots of plastic. We are using uh, binder clips, uh, like you pick up at any office supply store, to attach things to walls. Uh, We're running cabling up in the overhead. We're uh, installing our own sound system, our own lighting systems, so we're not using the ship's uh, own lighting systems and sound systems Uh, for what for our stuff so those are all the types of things that we're doing in the next or over the next uh five to seven days getting ready (sighs) you okay there yeah i'm debating what i want to talk about next
0: okay so leslie nobody shows up for 24 (laughs) hours What the tree time
2: to start poking it with a stick
0: I've decided Leslie's Leslie's answer is far too long. It's <laughs> too long and too much effort.
2: one keeps asking me questions about it.
0: Still. I I think am I too lazy to figure this out for a million dollars by just walking away? I'm literally like, I don't know if it's worth the effort. I'm going to leave. And now John's questioning his answer. Oh no, I'm still doing that. <laughs>
1: Just questioning why I'm answering it that way. Uh, So let's talk about... Okay, let's talk about sound then. While you uh, question all of your life choices relating to briefcases full of money in the middle of the woods. Is any of this even real? (laughs) Uh, So a couple things on sound. I wanted to have the ability to... to use atmospheric sound... or to use... Uh, just generic sound effects to help set the atmosphere throughout the ship. But I wanted to be able to control uh, what effects are uh, people are hearing as they're going through the haunt. And the only... Well, the way that I was able to do that, uh, because we didn't have access to uh, high-tech audio equipment, because I left my soundboard in my... Uh, in my storage unit in Colorado, cause there was no way I was gonna be able to do a really awesome haunt uh, while I was assigned to a ship. So I left half of my stuff in Colorado. But anyway, so <laughs> the way that I ended up doing it was setting up small individual, um, completely separate audio systems. So we ran four, five, we ran five different audio systems uh, in the ship to do audio effects in different areas. I had one on the exterior of the ship uh, that used a laptop, my wife's laptop, don't tell her I stole it, uh, to just play uh, generic effects, thunderclaps, screams, uh, howling wolves, uh, those types of sound effects, generic stuff um, on the exterior of the ship. So just ran speakers all over the outside of the ship, uh, had a little, picked up a literally $30 uh, receiver from Goodwill that was my amplifier, and that took care of the exterior atmospheric effects. One note there, I ran all the speakers in parallel, and for anyone who is familiar with basic electrical theory, uh, when you run things in parallel when you run impedances in parallel with each other you're going to change the impedance overall so each of my speakers was an 8 ohm speaker i ran five of them in parallel one over eight plus one over eight plus one over eight plus one over eight plus one over over eight equals one over the final impedance so my final impedance ended up being uh, somewhere around two ohms and i was running on an eight ohm system what does that mean, though? That means that I was not able to put the full amount of power that the receiver is able to deliver to the speakers because there was a significant mismatch of the impedance. Running 2 ohm speakers on a 8 ohm uh, output channel. Here's what I want to say about that, though. It didn't make a difference. <laughs> People get very worked up about impedance matching, and ultimately, unless you are talking about running large amounts of power through your speakers, it's not going to make a difference whatsoever. F- I had five speakers on the upper level, five speakers on the lower level, each one running to a different output <coughs> channel from the receiver, and it was plenty loud enough for the people walking by to hear the atmospheric effects. I could hear the atmospheric effects on the pier. Um, if you have enough small speakers... It's not going to make a difference. Don't get hung up on the impedance matching. Then I ran a second, completely separate audio system, this one with a portable CD player uh, on the inside of the ship for more atmospheric effects. And here I found a really cool website to help me make sound effects. It's called Ambient Mixer. So uh, www.ambient-mixer.com. You can find a link to it on our Facebook page because I uh, I wrote a brief post about it because it was so cool. But it has all kinds of ambient sounds that you can mix and match to make your own. So, uh, looking at the homepage right now, it has the Gryffindor common room. It has uh, in Rivendell from Lord of the Rings, the movie. Sherlock's apartment, Sherlock Holmes, the movie. On a Show at Sea, uh, Loki's Chambers A Summer Forest Scottish Rain or the one that I used Sinking Ship uh, on the Sinking Ship ambient sound it gave me eight different sound effects um, that I could change the levels on to uh, make it how I wanted and I'm going to play a little bit of the Sinking Ship now and hopefully the uh, this will capture it okay so this is the Uh, the default for the sinking ship. It has uh, glass shattering, prison sounds, two different kinds of moaning, uh, crowd panic, waterfall, creaking, and neon light sparking. I'm going to mute all of those channels for a moment so I can capture them individually. So um, here is the glass shattering. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Any glass shattering anywhere? Maybe I turn the random off. There it is! There's the glass shattering. Uh, And what's kind of cool about this is uh, I can set up so it's... so that each one of these channels is... uh, hits at a random time. So that was glass shattering. Here is uh, the first moan which I love. Here's the second moan. Oh, I gotta unmute it. There it is. It's the beautiful second moan there, uh, like the iron bulkheads slowly warping. Here's the crowd panic. Here is the waterfall. Sounds of water rushing into the sinking ship. As the crowd panics uh, more creaking and then uh, some neon lights sparking and arcing and stuff shorting out so by unmuting all of these I turn down the water because that drives me nuts and the neon light for that matter Uh, But the cool thing about this website is it lets me in real time customize what I want the ambient sound to sound like by adjusting the levels of each of these things. If I want more glass shattering, I turn it up. If I want less crowd screaming, I turn it down. If I want to get rid of the water rushing because it's covering up everything else, I get rid of it completely, which is what I ended up doing. Uh, Same with the neon light. That high-pitched buzz was overshadowing all the other effects, uh, so I cut it out. And then I was able to just let this play through my uh, through Google Chrome, and then I could record a segment of it. I did five minutes on Audacity, um, a free audio recording software, recorded five minutes of it, burned it to a CD, and just let it play on repeat the entire night. And it added so much creepy ass atmosphere inside the skin of the ship. Uh, that people were talking about it as they were coming out. They absolutely loved it. And uh, this website is completely free for anyone to use. Go check it out. Find the ambient sounds that you need for your next haunt, because it is amazing. Uh, So that's two of our sound systems. And I had three other sound systems uh, that I set up just for individual effects. So we ran three atmosphere, or excuse me, three Atmos FX projection effects. One was rats screaming out of a hole. Uh, That one still gives my wife nightmares and I have so much fun messing with her. Then one was uh, a creepy little girl down at the end of a hallway, end of the passageway.
0: Come play with
1: me. And we used it as a hallusion, which is an illusionary hologram. That's so that's what that's Atmos FX's name for it. Where we projected it onto a piece of mosquito netting and then lit behind the mosquito netting. Go to our Facebook page, check out the video. It's Super creepy, and it was an awesome effect that people were absolutely loving because you could see through the mosquito netting, see what was behind, and so you could see through the projection, and it made it look like a real ghost. We did it there, and we did it in the captain's cabin as well, where we had a ghost captain walking around, and people absolutely loved it. So cool. But each of those had their own mini system where I just had an old set of computer speakers that has an amplifier so you can turn it up and turn it down. Um, that's how you know it has an amplifier. Um, but that way, in just those locations, we could hear the creepy giggling of the little girl. We could hear the squeaking of the rats as they're streaming out of the hole. Um, and it added uh, to those effects. Uh, so that's how we did our audio. And then lighting, of course. Lighting is absolutely critical because you, uh, without lighting, no one can see what... Uh, you've put together by the same time you can block out things you don't want them to see and draw their eyes to the things that you do want to see just by using strategic lighting so i ended up using a lot of um uh the little spotlights that you can get at home depot like or walmart everywhere around christmas time red and green uh those types of light those little spotlights to flood our uh flood the interior of the ship red we used the red lights uh, to light up certain effects. So I used a bunch of green. Um, I used black lights of those, picked up a Spirit Halloween uh, to like bring out the photoluminescence, photoluminescence stickers inside the ship. Uh, that worked out really well behind the uh, Hallusion projections because it stood out really well, uh, and you could see it very easily through the, uh, through the projection light. That involves running extension cords all over the place, And so, of course, uh, we were able to put most of those extension cords up in the overhead to avoid uh, tripping hazards, overhead being the ceiling. Uh, But that's just something to always keep in mind as you're running your lighting. Get the cords out of places so that people are not having to worry about tripping over it.
2: Tripping hazards are a problem, especially when you're having people go through dark places and you're scaring them.
1: Exactly. Yeah, so that's how we take, or that's how we took the uh, the Haunting You method of creating a haunted house and uh, used it to put together a haunted house in seven weeks. I like Haunting You method. I think we need a crafty name for that. i <laughs>
0: Hope hmm. to think on that.
1: Yeah, but ultimately, uh, it ended up being a very successful haunt. We had uh, 1,568 people come out over the three days we were open, which was... About three times as much as we were ultimately yeah. expecting. That's super impressive. Uh, but that how many ended up. Were you
2: initially expecting?
1: We were expecting probably between five and seven hundred over three days, and so we doubled the high end of that. That's
2: awesome.
1: Yeah, um, a big part of that was, of course, uh, it was the Coast Guard putting it on, and so we were able to capitalize on. Um, the people's uh the goodwill that people feel toward the coast guard in astoria uh they're always asking about uh coming on board and seeing the ship because we tie up at a public pier but we're never open for tours because active duty ship um so we're able to capitalize on a lot of that and i think a lot of people came out for that reason it's definitely i mean
0: it's something it's just come, something kind of new from the generic haunted house experience I'm yeah that you do very often.
1: That's true and it ended up being a lot of fun because we were able to uh, capture some of that nautical lore uh, that not a lot of people are familiar with. So like um, Sea Serpent, the Kraken, Davy Jones Locker. We were able to incorporate some of that into the haunt in a fun way that you don't see done very often and uh, people really responded to it. And then more than that, we're doing a haunted house in a place that is actually an act- like an actual haunted ship. We're doing it on an actual ship. And so most of our props are real because real ship. And only the stuff that we brought on board to spookify it was really fake. We had real ghosts on board. Mm-hmm. Uh, we call her Becky. She haunts the sewage space. And so we were able to bring some of that lore uh, into our story as well.
0: You're saying you didn't use... A oh, real cracking.
1: I will not confirm that.
0: Well, see, now everybody's, everyone's just thinking the same <laughs> thing. And I
1: don't, I don't know if I approve of that. Pool noodle, pool noodles, all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, so the last thing I want to talk about is crowd control. We ended up, uh, I already said it, we ended up with a crowd uh, two to three times bigger than what we were expecting. And so crowd control ended up being a uh, enormous factor, and I would be remiss if I didn't talk about it a little bit. So some things to think about uh, if you're expecting large crowds: one, parking; two, queue line; three, uh, flow of your people, or throw, flow of people through your haunt. We found out that we're able to do about uh, 500 in three hours. So whatever that breaks down to per hour, 500 divided by three, hundred and change.
0: You mean 503 people? What? You said 503 hours.
1: Yes, 503 oh, 500
2: hours. 500 people in three hours. Yeah, so we're, right.
1: we found out we were able to do about 166 people per hour, and that was the most that we were able to push through. Um, if I had the opportunity to do this again, I would find a way to increase that Because we were turning away people at the end of the night. And in fact, each night we closed off the pier around 7.30 to make sure that we wouldn't have people at the end of the night uh, who couldn't get on. And we wouldn't end up being late. Sure. Our first night, we didn't close the pier until 8.30. And at 9.40, so we were supposed to close at 9.00 p.m. At 9.40, we were still open. We still had 60 people on the pier. And some of our actors started getting physically ill.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you mentioned that.
1: Yeah, so... It's a small problem. It's a significant significant problem. So, because we were not expecting that crowd, we had planned for about 150 people an hour. Uh, We were able to get it up to 166, but that was about the most we were able to get through uh, per hour. And so, if we had the opportunity to do this again, I would try to increase uh, that throughput... And we could do that a couple of ways. Uh, One, just by making the uh, route a little bit longer on the ship.
2: uh, Mm -hmm. So
1: you can have more people on board the ship at a time. That would have helped. Um, And then eliminating obstacles that potentially caused them to stop. A couple things that I realized. uh, One, people would stop and take pictures all throughout the route. And that was causing all kinds of backups that we did not anticipate.
0: Fair enough. Um, so maybe you didn't photography
1: or. Yeah. So I think a no photography uh, rule is generally a good idea. A lot of haunts do that for uh, the sake of, um, you know, maintaining creative. Uh, so that, sure. so their ideas are not getting stolen pro Great haunts, market. especially. I didn't see that as an issue. Uh, so I was like, yeah, absolutely take pictures. Uh, but it definitely caused backups that we were not, that I did not anticipate. So good lesson learned there.
0: This was a good experience. I mean, we're, learning some things that we can eventually apply to our other
1: haunts. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then some other things, if you can find a way to make your queue line entertaining, it will uh, make the experience better for the people who are stuck in line. We had people literally standing in line for over an hour and a half. Wow. I know. And the second night we had a huge storm come through. So we're all sitting there getting drenched by the end of the, so I was the guy on the pier. By the end of the night, uh, my fingers looked like raisins as if I had been in the bath all the whole evening. Like yeah. that's how wet it was. And there were still people standing out there for an hour and a half. So at one, so on day three, day two, it didn't work because of the rain. But day three, we had uh, the singing pumpkins out there singing five different songs, uh, helping <laughs> entertain people. I had also set up a, uh, we we had wanted to put a car On the pier, Uh, one of our crew members has a like 1940s era uh, pickup truck that he's slowly welding back together, and it looks like shit, but he's getting there. (laughs) But anyway, so we were gonna put a skeleton behind the wheel there. I was gonna wire in new lights um, to his um, to his headlights, and then I had created a little uh, lightorama file that had uh, like tires screeching and engines revving and horns honking that were all coordinated with the headlights and and so we were going to have that as well to keep people entertained in the queue it ended up not working out but uh, it would i think it would have been a lot of fun
0: it was really nice of the pumpkins to drop by for that
1: yeah i thought so uh, leslie
0: i heard you squeaking are, are you okay over there yeah i'm okay
1: fantastic yes. Uh, and then I talked about a, I briefly mentioned it uh, we ha- the first night we had a couple actors get sick and um, like they threw up so, and they did that for I think a couple reasons one was dehydration um, one was getting so into her character that she was thrashing around so hard she actually almost gave herself a concussion uh, banging her head against the wall Yeah, so to help mitigate the uh, actors getting sick the next night, we actually built in a 10-minute break uh, halfway through the night that gave them an opportunity to go use uh, the restroom. Mm -hmm. I also picked up bottles of water. We had them placed strategically throughout so that uh, actors had easy access to water all the time. Uh, We talked a little bit about things like taking small sips instead Mm of uh, chugging Because chugging will make you feel ill. Take small sips throughout the night. And uh, super important, start hydrating before you ever get to the haunt. Because um, if, you ever, if you get to a point where you're thirsty, you are already dehydrated. So it's key that you are drinking water throughout the day uh, so that you're well hydrated before you start doing something that is as exhausting, as physically taxing, as haunting.
0: So are you saying you did not, the first night, you did not provide your employees with bathroom breaks?
1: So we tried the first night where people would just relieve each other to, uh, so that if people needed bathroom breaks. But it ended out up not working out because of how quickly people were coming through. There was just no opportunity for them to escape to the green room, and so the next night we actually built in the break and it worked out a lot better.
0: So what what would you say are the biggest lessons you took away from
1: this? Uh, throughput is essential. Mm-hmm. Make sure you get your actors. Uh, proper water and breaks and start planning before seven weeks before opening are you (laughs) are
0: you concerned about the actors welfare or are you just doing that because I know on the haunt we've been planning you know we have all the we have the spots for the corpses and stuff and I think while it would be difficult to replace the actors it would certainly lend some realism to it
1: I'm not going on record answering that
0: I, I'm just spitballing here. I'm,
1: just, I'm uh, not going on record answering that question.
0: All right. So I think that is everything that we need to cover for this one. Leslie, what kind of tree are we talking about? Because I don't think like if it was a pine, there wouldn't be enough coverage on it.
2: You never specified what forest we were in. All of them. Well, then there's a tree that I can find in all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: we need to we need to discuss this further we But for now. I think that is all we have for this episode. Well,
1: speaking of discussing further, there is so much more that I would like to talk about the haunted ship, but we have to keep this to about an hour or people are just not going to listen to it. So go check out our Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash haunting you, with just the letter U. And that is where we will be posting all of the uh, the documents and the pictures and everything else on how we designed the haunted ship. So please go check it out if you want to get more information on our process.
0: And also, if you liked what you heard on this episode, go to Podbean or iTunes, download some of our previous episodes. What did I say? I said episode.
1: You did, but it kind of worked.
0: Uh, I'm very tired.
1: And if they wanted to follow us on Twitter and see all the exciting content that we post via Twitter, uh, how would they do that, John?
0: Well, first, what you have to do is create a Twitter account. You can do that by going to www.twitter.com or downloading the Twitter app via uh, iOS or, or the Google Play Store. Uh, then you have to create – you know what? I thought I had enough steam to finish that. I just don't. So it's, you can follow us. Our handle on Twitter is at HauntingUniver1, which is Haunting, U-N-I-B-E-R-1. Um, anything that's posted on Facebook will also be posted on Twitter. So, by all means, go there, check it out, uh, and, (coughs) and follow us so you can get all of our updates.
1: Perfect. Well, thank you all for listening, and as always, happy haunting. Bye, everyone! Haunting You is a production of the Rocky Mountain Home Haunters, LLC. All audio clips and sound effects are used under a Creative Commons attribution or public domain license from Purple Planet Music at www.purple-planet.com or The Sound Bible at soundbible.com. Please see our Facebook page for more information on all the clips used in this episode. Haunting University can be reached via Facebook at www.facebook.com slash you with the letter U. Or on Twitter using the handle at HauntingUniver1. That's haunting U N I V E R one Be sure to check out our new page on Podbean at www.HauntingU.Podbean.com. The